Warning, if you are faint of heart or easily offended, this show is not for you. You're dressing like that? We have Garrett on the show. You're dressing like yeah, that? This is my uh, this is my fancy hat. <laughs> See, look at all the stains. I am so sorry, Garrett. He looks better than he usually does on this show. Every time it's a USC cutoff in reverse. You just rotate him over and Anyways. over again. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Nick Fertucci Show. <laughs> I'm Nick Fertucci. This is Veronica Brill and our guest here, Garrett Adelstein. Oh, hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, yeah. <laughs> How come I hear people call you Adelstein? Adelstein? What is it? Uh, well, so first of all, I don't, I don't care at all. Uh, people pronounce it seven ways. It doesn't matter. But it, it is Adelstein. Adelstein. Like Stein. Yeah, but it makes no difference to me. You are, I would say, the greatest cash game player poker has seen. <laughs> what a lead. What are you laughing about? We argued about this yesterday. Mm -hmm. He said that you wouldn't agree to that. Oh, I thought he was going to say he, he says he is. Okay. Have you seen his VPIP, his single digit VPIP? It's embarrassing. He brings shame to his family. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, as, as flattering as it is when you or occasionally others say that, which, which I very much appreciate it, you know, I'm not going to downplay it where I, I don't think I'm a good player or something of that nature. Um, but it, that's wildly overstated. The, the reality is, is. There's all sorts of, you know, young European players in their basement, you know, playing poker, working on their poker game 20 hours a day who are infinitely better at it than me, you know. But what maybe I am good at sort of is combining a series of skills that are related to the technical aspects of poker and some not that kind of allow me to be a valuable asset for, for people like Nick and, and his show, you know, so... AKA money, you got money. No. <laughs> so let's talk about that because I feel like a lot of poker players, especially live game players, they're just talking about solvers, 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 playing GTO. Sure. But there are soft parts of being a professional that people don't talk about. And that's like being able to socialize well, being able to have a conversation with potentially a whale or, a, or an action player, as we should call them. <laughs> um, and just, and that whole social aspect of like getting invited to games because people really enjoy being around you. And I feel like you've kind of mastered that. For sure. You know, I, to be fair, I, I always kind of take issue with maybe a little bit of the verbiage you're using. Like, I don't really look at those sort of things as skills to master the way you sort of master optimal three betting percentages or things of that nature. You know, I think the reality is my evolution as being sort of a, a valuable asset for poker games is, you know, largely just based on like becoming a better human being in general, being a more interesting person myself and being more interested in others myself. You know, I think. Um, you know, smart, savvy people who play in high stakes poker games, whether professionals or recreationals, they can smell bullshit from a mile away. Right. It's authentic know? and we can all tell, which is probably why you're so loved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know about the, you know, the, the latter part of that, but, um, Certainly, yeah. I Look, think. I did commentary. Okay, <laughs> yeah. do not talk over Garrett. Like I was, they were like ready to set me on 
fire and send people for me if I said a word while you were talking. That's pretty funny. So you're very much loved. It's funny because the opposite happened where I, I uh, hopped in the commentary booth for Nick and Ryan once and I I did the exact opposite of that. All I did was talk over the players the entire and time. It was hilarious. They still loved it. Yeah. And they loved them. Yeah. Yeah, you can do no wrong by the internet's, uh, yeah. I guess, judgment. It's too bad that's not real life, you know? <laughs> yeah, because if, if it goes by the internet, man, things would be going great for me, you know? But unfortunately, the internet's not real life. And just like everyone else, I have a, a multitude of struggles and issues and, you know. And, you know, for live streaming mm -hmm. poker, besides the fact that Garrett plays really deep stack, they love that. He's an aggressive player. They love that. But on a, we talked about this uh, on another section that we talked about earlier is somebody, what, like everyone brings something to the table. Like in, in streaming games, sometimes you have your drunk player, you have this, you know, conversation and banter is really good for a stream. And I think Garrett's that way. Anyways, because I told her a story. If, mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember it. We were at the Commerce Club 10 years ago. You remember the guy that wouldn't answer me? We were trying to get a straddle. Yeah, or of course. Yeah. And I'm like, hello. And yeah. then we both started talking like he wasn't there. Yeah. So even off stream, like that's his personality is he's going to engage, talk, laugh, you know, and, you know, I'm the same way as I like to chatter or whatever. And for a live stream, that's really good for a stream. But did he eat the blueberry scone that was on the oh, floor? Oh, I told her about that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. did, right? You ate it off the floor. Um, I, I did. Okay, so for the blueberry <laughs> scone part. You thought I just made that shit up? This is, I don't know. I thought you were throwing him under the bus. This is, a, this is an incredible story. story. Can I, can I yeah, just give, go. I'm just going to give the cliff notes of it real quick. Nick's having a very rough session. Uh, server comes, and I think she's messed up his order many a times over, over the years. And he goes, uh, I would like a Starbucks blueberry scone not muffin is that right or the other way uh, muffin it was because they, wanted they, they muffin. discontinued the scones i wanted scones but i had to settle for a muffin okay yeah. so whatever so anyway so they bring him the wrong thing uh heated he, heated he yeah oh heated. okay there it is and he just looks at it and then just like i mean like greg maddox out there just 100 miles an hour <laughs> just chucks it against this painting against the wall and it was one of the funniest <laughs> things i've ever seen and and uh you know at that point like instinct just kicked in for me and i go okay this guy's too good for this scone. <laughs> Watch me. And I went up off the ground, picked it up and go, look at this. I'm a man of the people. So <laughs> I literally ate it Salt off the ground. Of the earth. Yeah. It was pretty strong. But he would do anything to keep me at the table. Yeah. So if it was eat a scone off the floor, that that's bet. what it would happen. Yeah. You're that big of a whale, Nick. Dude, well, some, I, they built that game around me. Yeah, I mean, okay? those the games. first thing Garrett would tell <laughs> Ryan what before, like we would be talking about lineups, is Nick in. Yes. Okay, I'll be there. All right, I'll be there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, those games were like so trash you know but it goes to show especially at that point in my life how much i loved playing you know because many of those games were just all elite players you know i would say in many of those games i, f I feel like i was like the fifth best player like and i was like the, the 18th time. out of nine yeah it was dan zach art garrett uh what's some of the other names it's a lot of great players so but there was a guy named gary who was a yeah gary excellent player gary there was the there hair. was gary several the yeah yeah and the dog um but i just want to go back to your last point earlier um where uh Oh, you guys were talking about how I've always just kind of been like very social and whatever. I think, you know, a, a lot of people kind of often think that like there was this brilliant mastermind plan where I almost sort of created this new business model for, for a high stakes player where it's like you become like this person where like, 
you know, the, you're such a valuable asset to, you know, one or more streams or whatever. But in reality, it was just an accident. Like that was always me well before. That's what I was saying. Even when we were at the commerce, yeah. we were talking it up and we hated that guy. Yeah, of course. So part of it is the social aspect, but the other part of it is the way I play. Like the way I play hasn't changed for the cameras. And in fact, I used to play like in a way that was much more aggressive and even much more entertaining to the viewing it audience. Was, he was out of his mind. Yeah, the reality is, is like when every one of your hands gets streamed, like I used to play in such an outrageously exploitable manner that I would just get chopped up if I did that, which is, you know, unfortunate for the audience, but also just kind of. Yeah, you had to is. adjust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think though, when an audience sees a highly successful high stakes cash game player, that is, you know, they don't think about the evolution. They're looking at it in a vacuum. So they're seeing this optimized human. And so to them, it's like, oh, he's like figured out the perfect social game. He's, right. you know, running, running solvers. He's right. like optimizing everything. He's in the gym. He's doing this. Like this guy's like functioning almost like a robot. Sure. And they're not seeing that evolution. Do you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, uh, again, like the. The thought process there is like, I, I think that's kind of dark. And unfortunately, that's kind of the nature, I think, of an analytical profession like poker is everything is thought of from like an expected value sort of standpoint, uh, which is which is a pretty dark way to live your life. You know, like I think it's sure you want to try to be, you know, playing your best like when you're in hands. But like. I just think it's a bit much to, to, to feel the need to be that calculated. And again, it comes across disingenuous if you're focused on that sort of in, in all areas and all things you're doing at all times at the table, you know. But to your other point about like fitness and things of this nature, you know, mindfulness, we, we kind of go down the list of, of things that are like important to me. Yeah, a lot of times those um, are beneficial for my poker game. But again, the primary purpose was never poker. It was always like, these things are are just critical pieces of me living a, a usual a usual peaceful existence and otherwise. One thing I'd add, and if you disagree with this, please just yeah. let's do it. Yeah, no, but, I disagree. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I disagree with this. You can just stop here. talking you now. You haven't even said it. I didn't even want you here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to be here. But trust me, you're not gonna be the only one that's gonna disagree. <laughs> Everyone disagrees with me. So uh, you you know you Someone mentioned maybe like this robotic solvers. The, the fact mm -hmm. of the matter is, I would say you as a player are far from that. What I what I what I see as like if you look at like how you play in your post flop mm. and things, sure. what you're really really good at because you're not sound GTO wise or robotic right. is like especially in the games you're in and post flop <clears throat> that you can put yourself in a position, an early position with a hand that I would never play right. because I'm not as good post-flop right. and don't play the same kind of game. And you could post-flop then knowing against who your competition is and how they think, what they think, what their bankroll is, what their stack is. And a lot of your success comes from that kind of maneuvering versus solver, robotic type of play, which hence is why that people like to watch you because you would be in there with queen seven suited really early uh you know th three or four betting which you know again, well you're not fucking <clears throat> calling a queen seven no but of course okay <laughs> smart ass but point is is that someone that is robotic isn't going to do that right yeah and then you know how then from that point to make that hand a winning hand versus just you know for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with what and you're saying. And I know saying. that personally. Yeah, I, I think like uh, the the gist of it is 
sort of the the argument behind game theory optimal play in a general sense is like you can't lose um, if if one were to somehow you know which is an impossible task anyway but if so, if one could somehow like be the computer be that right yeah. I mean I guess some guys playing internet poker have figured it out right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> by literally I don't know, by, yeah. no, his by, name's Bryn Kenny by literally being the computer I'm saying certain <laughs> totally, people totally, have but yeah. anyway uh, all, all jokes aside you know the reality is is in the games I play in um, it's filled with almost entirely players who deviate so far from optimal play themselves yes, yes. that um, my ability uh, to sort of maximize my win rate, I think is, I mean, I don't even have words for how greatly enhanced it is by also making like extreme deviations. That's um, right. From optimal play. And so to me, it's sort of like a no brainer, um, you know, in that way. And, and this is often sort of, you know, sort of an attack hurled at me, you know, by uh, on the internet or whatever to, to give an example, it's like, oh, if, you know, Garrett was, you know, playing against, you know, eight other, you know, guys who've get, given their life to studying game theory, optimal play, yeah, they would you chop know, you up. they would chop me up. Uh, and I guess a few thoughts on that. Number one, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> number two, I would never play. If you didn't adjust to them, right? Yeah, right, right. Number two, I would never play in a game like that. You know, the, the reality is, is these days, like, I really enjoy poker. It's not, it's not sort of an all-encompassing obsession the way it was for me the first decade uh, of my career. So I have no interest in in playing in some really tough game where you're trying to squeak out small win rates. Uh, and number three is like, you know, well, I would get a give me a shot at it. Like in this yeah. hypothetical scenario, <laughs> right. you know, I think it's sort of it all. It's it, to me, it, it attacks sort of my my intelligence a little bit to think that. Um, in a different environment that I wouldn't, you know, either have the brain power or the work ethic or whatever to, to do what, you know, many of these other great players, you know, do. Yeah. But it's it's just not something, of course, anyone would switch with me, obviously, like I play in great games, but sure. but I, I the the sort of, that accusation is is kind of neither here nor there, if you will. Yeah, and, and the mm -hmm. bottom line is <clears throat> you wouldn't have as much fun. You don't need to because of the environment you're in and the position you put yourself in with these streams, right? Right, right. And, uh, and no doubt that if that's what you wanted to do, you could accomplish that. I mean, I have no doubt about that, but yeah. there's just no need. And you've often referred to this as, <clears throat> which it is, my business, right? Right. This is your business of when, you're, when you're making decisions of who to play, what to play. Of course, and yeah. so for your business, it's not optimal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the, yeah, the, the, the crux of that is like, Kind of being able to see the the force through the trees, you know. Yeah, like I mean, the, like five, yeah. four years ago, you wanted to play with Nick and C five. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Plus yeah. EV. <laughs> yeah. So what's the priority now? Like you said, that you're no longer obsessed with it the way you were in your first ten years. Sure. What's the priority when you go to a game? Like, does happiness have something to do with it? Like, do you want to enjoy the game? Do you want to socialize with people you like? Like, would you play in a game with shitty players who are not? talkative like what's what is your priority now yeah I, I think it's sort of everything you just mentioned but you know the the main thing uh and it's what's worked really well for me is like I feel like it was probably more like the first 15 years of my poker career um there was a real imbalance uh in terms of I wasn't able to work poker into an otherwise peaceful existence mm -hmm. and you know I had a variety yeah I had a variety of other struggles and things of that nature too but the reality is is poker is a really really hard game I did briefly <laughs> touch on your flipping after long sessions to yeah the gen part of exactly that. yeah yeah I mean a, a lot of these things like I had all sorts of self-destructive tendencies yeah. you know and a lot of it's like just 
feel something different than this pain, right? Which yeah, we've, we've right. kind of talked about some. Uh, but but anyway, yeah, in, in recent years, like certainly not entirely and not even close to ideally, but I've mostly been able to work poker into like a, a life I like feel pretty good about. And so that involves really just only playing, you know, when I want to, you know, as an example, I took, I think it was a two or three months off um, this last winter. Um, and yeah, usually it's related to like, can't win a hand, you know, yeah. I, like it's pretty easy to want to keep playing when you, you know, keep making the best hand. But, you know, I was going through like a, a tough period with that. Um, and so, yeah, I just, just told all the streams and whatever, like, you know, no, I'm out for a while and took a couple month reset and, you know, it, it really reinvigorated sort of everything for me. So when I go in, it's like, yeah, I'm always going to be like trying my best to make good decisions, um, you know, intercession, but, um, you know, I'm also like definitely there to, there to have fun and, you know, enjoy myself. And I, I think I play better, you know, when that's the case, like I, you know, I, I guess it's debatable, but I think when I'm, you know, in between hands being social and things of that nature, um, like, you know, I, I think just being in, in that more positive mindset, I think helps me to execute better when I am in hands. So. Yeah, totally. Because even Wednesday you came in cranky. Yeah, for and sure. you did not enjoy yourself. Absolutely, yeah, the, the whole stream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this this last Wednesday and Friday were like really good examples. Friday of that. too. Uh, opposite, actually. Oh, yeah. So we got are, it. Yeah, I just was like, you know, having just a slightly tough week, um, from like a mental health perspective and whatnot. When yeah. when I played with Nick on Wednesday, um, and uh, yeah, and you know, like funny like i'll watch the stream back and i'll see sort of the snippy things i say yeah and we had our moments yeah but i just want to like I, like it's hard for me to watch i like i get like so disappointed in my own behavior sometimes no, i understand well we talk the next day yeah yeah, yeah but no but it, it, irrelevant of of you just in general like, no i'm saying that's an example yeah it's an example but yeah sometimes like i you know yeah i can still get snippy and and things of that nature and then contrast that with friday where um like i was just in a really good place as I usually am when I play totally. and, and you know I, I think I played well on that day too so. well and one of the only things we have in common in poker because obviously I don't I'm, I, I don't put myself in your category but one of the things we have in common is that like there are players that we've talked about we don't have to mention names that are pretty robotic like they could experience variance and just keep playing and just understand yeah. that that's going to be the case and 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 they don't have emotional swings and whatever but I'm I'm like you yeah and that is like when I experience variants it's it's tough on me and yeah. and it starts to get in my head and it starts to affect other parts of my life and because like and, and I know all poker players are competitive but we both know no matter how much you self-deprecate or what if I do we're both very competitive and like, sure. when you're out there you want to win for sure yeah right? yeah yeah it's a uh, sorry go ahead no and so so the point is 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 I relate to that and that's why like sometimes when even if I hit like a real low and variance is crushing me and I'm making mistakes on top of it which usually happens when you're experiencing variance yep. right yep. and uh, you're, you're you're one of my calls yeah. Like, hey, dude, I, I know what you're going to tell me, but you got like an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Prefaced with like, do you have a three minutes? You got yeah. three minutes and yeah. then it's an hour and a half. But, yeah. but nevertheless, by the end of those calls, like they're extremely rewarding for me and they're always yeah. therapeutic and, for and me Yeah, and even though well. you know it's coming, it's like helpful for sure. to know it because like everyone goes through it. Like I, I, I saw it today on Twitter um, and I know what he's feeling and, and Andy like posted today, hey, thanks for all the support. I appreciate you guys. But, you know, basically like, you know, I punted. But like no matter how long I play, how professional I am, like this hurts. Like, yeah. And he posted something like that. And I'm like, I know what he's experiencing. Like the next day is literally like waking up to a death. 
Yeah, it's a it's an extremely painful yeah. uh, profession, yeah. And, yeah. and that kind of goes back to our last point uh, in terms of you know, me keeping my hours to a minimum. You know, I like to compare it sort of to an athlete, although I'm no athlete, um, which is like, I think you only have so many miles you can put on your body. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I really try your to- brain. Yeah, so I really try to keep my miles uh, down, you know, these days, um, uh, you know, kind of for that reason. But yeah, there's no question, you know, despite what Wes says, poker is not easy. Poker is not easy. So it is a that's very- That's a great brand for him, but the shit's not easy. It is a very, very hard, uh, often painful sort of heartbreaking gig. And this is coming from someone who's dedicated two decades of his life to handling, you know, the the aforementioned variants. The mental games. Better. So yeah. Speaking of that, and I know you've been very open with your um, mental health. Sure, yeah. And I did watch a podcast where you were saying that you would spend like a month in bed. Sure. Are your lows still just as low? No, so thankfully they've gotten, you know, much, much better, you know, and at its darkest, it, it could be several months, honestly. Wow. Um, and, you know, for the last like, five, six years, you know, it's, it's rare that it, it happens for more than a day, you know, and one day can just be like, you know, I'm kind of hungover and I don't accomplish much that day or, or things of that yeah. nature, but it's, it's pretty rare. But, you know, with that said, I, I think that, you know, I'll actually use this opportunity to kind of discuss, um, the last couple weeks for me, which, which weren't two weeks straight in bed, but they were kind of off and on. And I just had like a, a tough period where it'd be maybe three days in bed, two or three times, um, which is, about as bad as it's been again for the for the better part of a half decade for me um and so it's scary you know it's, it's scary to me it's scary to my wife it, and it, what do you do to get out of bed though yeah you know so it's like i have these things uh called like fire breakers mm -hmm. uh which is like kind of what it sounds like where it's like start really small just do something really really small to try to feel better so sometimes it's just like literally hitting the the play button on my spotify you know, take my dog on a walk, just some really basic, take a shower, some yeah. really basic things. One step at a time. Yeah. Small um, wins. Exactly. And then just kind of building from there. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't bring this up either to throw a pity party for myself or, or even necessarily to I go. I think a lot of people go through this. Yeah. Right. Or even necessarily to, to, to go down this like road for a while in this conversation. But the gist is, you know, I, I think sometimes I get concerned that the public image of me is someone who used to be broken, but now has figured it out. Mm -hmm. And that is just so not the case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like You've it is- figured out better strategies to deal with yeah. it once it happens. Mm -hmm. It is always a work in progress. And even if for several years, it was never more than a day or two where I struggled, just recently, you know, it was more like, again, a little off and on, but like two or three weeks. And yeah, you know, like it's, it's hard, you know, when I do kind of crawl out of it, you know, my wife, Jen and I, we have a conversation you know, each time. And, you know, she tells me the truth. Like she's, as you know, you couldn't have a better cheerleader for, for a wife than, than her, but she's like, it's, it's scary. Now, like, is this I totally don't, chemical or is it at all situational or can it be both? It's gotta be both. <clears throat> I think it's gotta be both yeah. in my case. Um, and it's gotta be at least a good percent situational. I think sort of, um, the, the life that I've built for myself, allows this flexibility to lie in bed for several weeks, which is uh, very much a double-edged sword. You know? Yeah, yeah, because you can. Yeah, exactly. Which, Everybody, yeah. everyone always thinks the dream is to have all the free time in the world. Yeah, um, it's which a is, curse too. Which it's a curse too. And I've, yeah. I've found, um, 
I found like a lot more good in it in recent years, you know, than I used to. But yeah, I can, uh, you know, it can, it can still definitely be challenging. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, if you had to pick between if you're any person you had to pick being able to have your own time or not, you're going to pick it. Time is the most precious, valuable thing we have. Sure. And to control it, there is nothing better. For sure. But basically to the point is when you have that flexibility, then you are not forced to do your fire steps in, in real life because you can lay there and that could be a big negative. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I think that I guess the, the, the overall message I, I want to sort of relay related to this is yeah. like for anyone who struggles, like with mental health issues, a, like you're not alone, like many of us do. And, and B like, it's, it's not like a binary thing where it's mm -hmm. like, you're either broken or you're fixed. Like it's never like that it's constantly a work in progress. And so every day I have to put in a lot of work to feel well. And even, you know, even though I've made great progress in that, like there will be slip ups, there will be sort of detours where it's gonna be more challenging for a while. And if if one can sort of keep their mind like in the right place mm -hmm. and, and recognize like, I'm gonna get out of this, you know, it that that's everything because that's the darkest thing about depression is when you're in it in the moment, you think you will never feel. You will better. never get out of it. Yeah, and, and you and I have talked about this because yeah. it's the weirdest thing. Is my whole life I didn't struggle with that. Right. right. And then in the last eight to ten years, mm -hmm. as I've been aging, I I and and I it's situational for me, but like I could give you an example as my kids got older and are not around, that was really hard on me and. Yeah. As my business, as I be, this is the truth. As yeah. I became more successful or a little more wealthy, I had less to strive for yeah. and less to do. And that idle time, like now, I'm doing up this podcast. I created that show. I'm doing these things because I love doing both of those things. But I'm also doing those things because I literally could lay in bed every day and do nothing. And if I had nothing to do, and my kids are older, and like life changes. I now have, I was telling Veronica earlier, like even like if it gets dark early, like when the time changes, like yeah. I have to protect myself because my mind now, if I'm too idle, like I shared with you about a year ago, yep. like I'm, I, I started to feel depression, you know, with different things that were happening in my life that were more situational, but I don't know if it's chemical as you ate. I, I don't know. So I have felt if you hit me 10, 15 years ago, I wouldn't even know what the hell you're talking about. For sure. Yeah. But now st saying like I, it feels like you're never gonna feel better or like what is this even all about I felt that right and it's weird and I have you know everything like I'm I'm still relatively healthy that I know about unless there's something I don't know mm -hmm. uh, I have family I have businesses I can play poker I have a poker so there'd be no reason for me to be in the tank yeah and I struggle sometimes knowing that can make you even more depressed right that was Dude. that was my go-to like I have everything everyone could ever want I yeah. still don't feel well yeah and that would bring me like, to an even what darker the hell like maybe place, yeah. it's just I'm just gonna this is it like this is what I'm supposed to feel, and it's very scary to think that. Yeah. Is, is there? Sorry, I'm uh, just curious yeah. about the, the depression and how you reflect back on it when you're feeling better. Mm -hmm. Because in some of the most traumatic moments of my life, have led me to reflect and become a better person from it. Because I think about things differently now, 
And I'm wondering if you look at your depression in your best moments as a way to like appreciate the good moments or it, it kind of has shaped who you are. It has shaped empathy for other people who may be depressed or going through something. So if someone's grumpy at the table, you're not just like, oh, that asshole. You're like, oh, maybe they're going through something. For sure. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, I mean, empathy is like, it's just like the best superpower ever. You know, like if you can just see where like other people are coming from, like it just becomes like so much easier to sort of... Um, I don't know, forgive them or whatever for their imperfections, you know, especially like being a, an extremely imperfect person myself, you know, like it's, it's the same thing. And then, you know, like to, to your, the first part of your question. Yeah. Like I also, like I wear the fact that like, I feel generally significantly better now than I did for the first three decades of my life is like such a like badge of honor. Like I, That's I wake cool, up yeah. every day, like so proud of myself. Cause like, I know it's hard. I know it's really hard to, to figure out how to, how to do that. Do you have other people in your family that struggle with that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's some genetic stuff with it. Yeah. And, like and Veronica and I were just talking about that. Uh, like we were talking to funding about like trolling and different things. And, and, but we were talking about empathy related to narcissistic people, et cetera. They don't uh -huh. have it, whatever. I had mentioned to her to the point you guys just made is like, you know, I don't understand the fact how somebody just, goes after somebody in like the meanest cruelest ways whether it's on social media or in person or whatever because i was telling i was telling her is like what if that person literally is in a dark place yeah. at the time or really is like struggling but you don't know it maybe contemplating things that are not really good you know like you could push them over the edge like it's just there's just no place for but it I, so we I were talking about that i also <clears throat> think trolls online genuinely are just insecure people who don't see the world past their fingertips. They can't understand. They don't care. It's not or isolated just to that, but yes, they, they don't, don't have care. the capacity to no, think no, no. about the implications of what they're doing. Yeah. And we made it into a broader sense of just right. people who are just, just not nice to people. And it just doesn't compute to me. Like I understand defending yourself. I understand getting angry. I understand all these things, but just to proactively just, just fire on someone for cosmetics or or whatever it be and i don't just mean like in the but it's just it's, it's short term it's, very self-serving doesn't compute to me at all yeah i mean it's like the internet's very trolly yeah. and i think a lot of those people who decide to put in the energy to troll someone online we've heard of young girls and young teenagers who have taken their life because yeah they're getting bullied online and you think well who cares it's just online your family loves you you actually have friends but it matters. We tend to give mm -hmm. most of our energy to like the small 1% that are the most negatively vocal. Yeah. And we forget how many people really like us. Right. I mean, Garrett, of course. I'm talking about just <laughs> yeah, Garrett here. He's, he's no one likes to, He's not going to be able to relate, relate <laughs> to this. Only I'll understand what you mean. But yeah, true though, right? Uh, I feel like this is our new mental health podcast. We're, well, you know, we're starting went, something new this is today. Where it went, and I, yeah. it's a good topic. I know. I like it. I really like how you're open, and you know, I I feel like you're aware of how much of an impact you have as a popular player. Does it feel like you have certain responsibilities to poker fans to? Um, act a certain way or to say certain things or be vocal, like you're open about your mental health. Do you feel obligated now that you're so popular? I'd say no, no, I, I think I, uh, I think I just sort of just try to be myself and like, you know, whatever happens, you know, to your point about, you know, maybe being able to connect with people who also struggle with mental health, you know, that's by far been like the, the most rewarding sort of work, if you will, that I've done 
you know, in my life. Um, and it's, it's not even work, you know, as, as I said, like, it's just kind of me speaking on, you know, on, on my life and things of that nature. You know, I, I read this article the other day, um, and I'm forgetting the terminology the author uses, but basically like a lot of influencers mm -hmm. end up becoming, instead of influencing their audience the other way around, where they become trapped in um, like sort of recreating themselves into the caricature that uh, their yeah. brand is on the internet. TikTok's like that, where they'll get a popular video and then they'll try to mimic it. And then you become essentially a slave to this popularity Image. or like the the um, stimulation you get from, uh, why the fuck am I missing? The dopamine hit. Yeah, yeah serotonin, dopamine. Uh, yeah, you get this <laughs> dopamine hit from this like super popular video and then you feel like you need to recreate that rather than having an organic existence on social media. For sure, yeah. So, I, you know, like in this article, they reference an extremely dark example of that, which is like this guy who was like, um, like a vegan, like healthy guy, just like trying to make it as a content creator. And then he like did like a food challenge one day as like one of his videos. And like next thing you knew, like that was like all he did. And so this guy like is just like, you know, now like crazy overweight, like, and like all his videos are him just like, you know, consuming outrageous amounts of calories, like eating fast food. I guess this is sort of like a, uh, a subgenre of YouTube or, or yeah. whatnot, you know, but I mean, that's some really I dark shit. I think of right? OnlyFans that way. Like, I don't judge anyone for OnlyFans. I don't care. Like, I think prostitution should be legal. You should yeah. be able to sell your videos. Sure. But I often think of the pressure that you would have on you if you have like VIP clients, which I've heard girls have or guys, you know, on OnlyFans, where you're like having to give your client what they want when they want and you're like at their beck and call and they they basically own your content or own you know your direction and you're like you're like a slave to your content rather than just like enjoying what you're doing and not necessarily i don't know if they enjoy only fans but just enjoying the tiktoks enjoying creating content yeah. instead of feeling obligated to go for the popularity or for the money or whatever well, it is <clears throat> that's like a lot of businesses and you're to your point like those are all valid, but like really any business you're in, like that you start and you have client base and you have to continue to keep putting out the same content. Like I've been in businesses like that. I had to continue to do the same things. Yeah. And then I don't know how to get out of it because they need it. You're it's successful. You do get dependent or I don't even know dependent, but you do like, wow, I want to give that up because I'm like, I'm kind of killing it. And so you got to keep doing it. And I've gotten to a point in businesses where I'm like, uh, I hate what I do. Yeah. And I loved what I did when I started it. I have a very small TikTok following, but I did some uh, dating TikToks. A few of them blew up. And then I was like creating all these like dating online profiles, uh, TikToks. And I w it was driving me crazy and I hate it so much. And I stopped doing it. And people are like, well, can you can you do some more videos yeah. about dating in your 40s? And no, I'm just like, not how did you handle your OnlyFans page? Like, do you continue to, <laughs> to put into it? Or? I made five dollars <clears throat> last month. No, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't have an OnlyFans, but I'm not against it. Like, I just it's just not me. It's just not yeah, for me. I'm not that very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. You so just I'll shut up, <laughs> fat <laughs> man over there. Fat. You stop that. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think that for me, the solution to sort of avoiding this sort of thing is like just like a figuring out like who you are as a person um and i think that was something like i had no idea who mm -hmm. i was who i wanted to be etc like you know in, in my teens and 20s totally uh and then b like 
just like having your your public actions like mimic that, you know? So like in the case of this like guy, like that's not like who he is to like sit at home and, you know, eat 20,000 no, calories no and yeah, a meal, yeah. you know? And so it's like the way you can hack the system is like if you're just yourself and then you get positive feedback from that, well, th then it's easy, right? Because then like whatever sort of, I think like subliminal psychological sort of feeling you need to like be appeasing your audience. Yeah. Like, well, that's just you already being yourself. And it's weird so. because like I already do that. There's money in this. No I one's going to pay you for anything. You sure? I, if I could video myself eating, I could be this guy. Yeah. Because yeah. this is what I do. Well, you with, know my shitty with diet. With this set here, dude? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's your competitive edge. So, yeah. You just get you a whole <laughs> mess of Big Macs and just There's go to work. Them in I do that anyway. There's yeah. people making money just eating and sloppily eating, like making really? noises and sucking up noodles and, and stuff. And people watch it. Yeah. It's, re it's, re it's really, that's really dark. Really weird. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, wow. you know, I'm asked a lot, like, am I ever going to sort of hop in? the content creation space myself, you know? I don't know if I'm an influencer or whatever just by being on your streams, but in terms of having my own channel, things of that nature, yeah. thus far, it, it just hasn't appealed to me sort of for that nature because the reality is, is like the masses really love the lowest common denominator. They do. Like they really love they the grossest, dumbest shit. And they that is something. in no way the content I'd wanna make. Yeah. And then you contrast that with my competitiveness. Yeah. And, I just don't know how I'd ever be able to make it work. But I think content has to be one of two things in order to appeal to the masses. And one of them is like gossipy, lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. But the other one is high quality content. Sure. But that's like a smaller audience. But you still will would do well. Yeah. Like someone who, like an English, English professor talking about all the great novels yep. in detail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's going to be people that are interested in that. So, I mean, if you have a high quality content that you're doing something that you love that it excites you, I think you'll get an audience. For sure, yeah. And I think the, the focus, if I ever were to go down that path, is to just make sure like I'm not doing it to win, to beat the algorithm, right. to amass as big of a following as possible. There's just no way I would enjoy that work. It would have to be just like making content that that I enjoy and, and whatever, you know. But but for now, you know, it's a no. And, you know, again, going back to your competitive comment, I think I think I would struggle. I think I would yeah. struggle not yeah. sort of, you know, um, wouldn't it yeah. be a fun challenge? Wouldn't it be fun to try something new that you're not good at and like learn yeah, it? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is trap though. This, well, but this is it something I wrestle maybe. with a It'd lot. Be a trap. I really appreciate um, that about you, Nick, is like you're willing to try like lots of new things, you know, like, um, you know, you got a few years on me and like, you know, this podcast is new. Like you're out there like trying new things all the time. And I, I think in the end, am petrified to fail. I'm just chopped liver. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'm just like petrified to fail. And so it's like, uh, no. I, I like so rarely really dip my feet into something uh, new because like I couldn't handle being even good, but not great at it. Well, here's the thing. And to that point, so I'm petrified to fail too. Yeah. Uh, but what I've forced myself to do over the years is, and again, I am not pimping this because I make no money on it, but I wrote that book that mm -hmm. you didn't read, Seven, uh, seven Figure Decisions, <laughs> Having the Balls to Succeed. And one of the things that I put in there is that to be successful, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to other people see you fail because that's a big fear of mine. But what it does is it drives me. So when I do start out that stream or if I'm doing this, I'm going to try to figure out. And, and, I've, and, and honestly, no bullshit. I have so many more failures than I have successes 
but I wrote this thing out. It's called The Entrepreneur. And basically, people don't see your failures. They only see your successes. Right. But to become that way, you have to be able to absorb that. And it's tough to do. And I have so much fear over it that when I do do something, I immerse myself into it to a point of almost obsession because I am also that way. Right. And that's what drives me. Now, that's, that's a really shitty way to live. So for me, I don't know how to get out of that pattern because it brings you anxiety mm -hmm. and I fight anxiety because I'm always like tr trying to go, is this stream the best? Who's like, we got to stay on top. You know, if we do this podcast, like I want this to be the best, I'm going to build the best room. I'm going to get the best person that can host this with me. Okay. No, host this with me. And so I'm going to give you compliments right. at some points. I just don't want you to get your the best. big fat head. Um, <laughs> Look, I think, I think failure is like one of the greatest things that makes Silicon Valley great because I think other countries have like a different strategy to like, if you look at communist Russia, they all their shitty cars that they made because there was like no failure. Failure is not an option. We're just putting out a product and you die if you don't finish it and do yeah, it. That's how I but feel. But here we have, we, we celebrate failure. Like a lot of startups won't hire you if you haven't failed like three times in other startups because you learn what not to do. And it's a good thing to fail here. It we, is. We celebrate it. But Veronica, here's the thing that I've learned. That is true <clears throat> in that aspect. But there are a lot of people, not only out in the universe that are watching, but also in your inner circle that want you to fail. And I'm just telling you that is human nature because your failure can make somebody else feel good about their failure. And they may never admit that. Well, their lack of attempts. I understand. Yeah. And so believe it or not, like that's the truth. But there is so many people cursory and in your loop that literally are rooting for you to fail. And um, and and I know that. And, and who so, cares? No, who cares? But if you're like me, you're human like you. It's I do. Like, and then, then I don't, and then I do. Like, it's the weirdest dichotomy because there are sometimes I could look you in the and say, I don't give two shits what you think. And there is another day that I'm having, I could look at you and go, I really care what you think. And why do you think And you over-communicate. And I over, <laughs> we've talked about this, yes, and I over-communicate. So speaking of failure, since we have you here, I don't want to hear Nick all day. Mm -hmm. um, wow. There must have been a time in your poker career where things stopped failing and things started working. And I don't know how long of a transition that was, but like when was it and what did you notice change? And like, I just want to hear like what encompassed that time. Yeah. I mean, I think like my poker career in general, like, you know, I, I think I was always a talented player. Um, and I think my soft skills for many years were just the worst. Like I had awful emotional control. My spending habits off the table were terrible. You know, I would often like, you know, get wasted in play. Uh, like I used to play internet poker. I'd, you know, go out like in my early twenties, you know, if I didn't bring a girl home, like I'd just like come home and just like light absurd amounts of money on fire, just playing, you know, internet poker. So, I mean, I really did every single thing you could do wrong in the first half of my poker career. And, you know, thankfully like talent allowed me to still like stay afloat. Um, yeah. and all, an opportunity. all of these sort of, uh, all of these sort of, issues, self-destructive tendencies, et cetera, I had, um, you know, like they, they all kind of like carried over into my day-to-day -day life too, or were most prominent, you know, outside of poker. And uh, again, I think it was, it was sort of like a very conscious decision around my 30th birthday, especially where I go, I'm done with this. Like I'm done feeling shitty. I'm done being self-destructive. I'm just done. Like 
I'm mm. like ready to sort of like make the most of my life and my potential and 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 things of that nature. Um, and again, it's it's still an extremely bumpy how long you ride, been with Jen? But Jen and I've been together 11 years, so you know I, I think that's a, she's very good for you. Yeah, that I, think, I know just being your friend. Yeah, I think that that's a great question in terms of like she's seen like me through the best and the worst and. And, and everything in between, you know, like, and when we met, like I was like 26, you know, and I was, I was successful in poker, but it was like a much, much different sort of level. And so I think like we kind of grew together in, and she was like a, a senior in college. So we just kind of grew together in every mm -hmm. single way. And to me, there's no, uh, I think there's no better proof of concept, if you will, in a marriage than two people being together that long yeah. uh, as they change as human beings to such a large extent mm -hmm. and then come out at the end of it, you know, and be like, man, I am so fucking ready to spend the rest of my life with you. You know, the, the way that we have, you know, we've been married about a year now. So, so yeah. And congratulations, Thanks. by the way, Thanks, newlyweds. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, so I, I mean, there's like a, a lot of books out there. There's one in particular, I think it's the millionaire mind or whatever, talking uh -huh. about like the important, the, the things you need in your life to become successful, sure. not just a millionaire, but sure. successful, however you measure that. Yep. But a lot of it is talking about a good spouse, a good partner oh, yeah. and how so having a good support system, just, you know, gelling with someone and, and having someone want you to succeed and not someone that, that helps you drink or helps you be a DJ, but someone who like says, no, we're not going to do that. How how important do you think that's been to you? Yeah, I think I think it's everything. You know, it's it's sort of like a common vernacular that like uh, who you're with, what you do, and where you live are you know generally three of, if not you know the three most important things you do. And you know, I think in terms of you know who I married and where I live, like I I just hit it out of the park. You know, like I live like in a you know a beach community in L.A. where I just I just couldn't imagine anywhere else on the world being. Uh, you know, where I'd want to live more. And, you know, we, we travel a lot and things of that nature. In terms of what you do, you know, I'll, I'll kind of tie this back into what we were talking about earlier. That that to me is I'm definitely still kind of lost on that, you know, because yeah. I definitely know what I don't want to be doing poker things. Let's call it 40 hours a week, probably right. even half of that, you know. Right. So it's, it's really about um, making sure I'm utilizing like my time on earth, like doing something I feel good about. And yeah, it's it's been a it's been a real struggle for me. In, in that sense. And that's why, again, I've always commended sort of your ability to just take a swing and do something new. I mean, when you started HCL, you were just like, just kind of like a, a pretty bad poker player who had a passion for it. And you go, yeah. you know what? I'm going to make a business out of this. Yeah. And uh, I was skeptical. <laughs> I know. I know. And, As you should have been. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and here we are today. And so it's, yeah. it's just. I've it's, got a great show, number one show, and I'm still bad. It, it, <laughs> I mean, you could still have, it's, you know. It's still some real, it's, I mean, it's some really impressive shit. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, uh, my advice to you would be that whatever you love besides poker, mm -hmm. whatever that is, you don't even have to say, oh, I think it's this. Yep. yep. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Because I used to have a radio show. I love talking. I love hashing out subjects. Hence the reason I started this with, with uh, Veronica. And this, I, I really enjoyed this. You got my this. name right this time. I, I was going to, I jokingly <laughs> called her Valerie in another suggestion. It was really planned, but yeah. I'll just yeah. let the, everyone the know that. Like, he definitely paused in a way where he didn't know your name. It no, was I was going to say yeah. Valerie again as a joke, but it was just taking me off my point. Yeah, yeah. And so I decided to go with yeah, her real yeah. name. And, uh, but uh, just do that. 
Because yeah. honestly, you know, and I won't talk a lot, Veronica, because I know that that's not. No, my no, show. no, I want <laughs> to yeah. hear your voice. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but that is what I've learned. Like, I am now am doing things now that I love more than I've ever loved in my businesses. Yeah. And believe me, my other businesses are way more lucrative than yeah. this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But I finally love it. And yeah. So. There is no greater satisfaction than that. So yeah. just do that. Yeah, I appreciate it. But I mean, as, whatever that is, figure I, it out. As yeah. you've seen, I mean, you know, I, I'm not as uh, intimately sort of aware of the day to day of the business um, mm-hmm. component of HCL. Right. But you know, as a player, like you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Like, I mean, it's not it's not free. Like, you know, it sounds like you know your your real estate academy uh, had a multitude of pain points for you, but. So does poker, you know, like all of them did every all, business, every, had a computer business, everything right? I had yeah. buying and selling houses full time. Yeah, they were they all had pain. Yeah, exactly. And, and they all started out really amazing. And then you get to a point even at a pinnacle peak where mm-hmm. you're like, could be I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, it's the crazy it's the craziest thing. Sure. And that be, and that comes with the, the cursory stuff that comes at you. So like. Did I love teaching real estate? Yes. But then did I love dealing with like 200 employees when we had a nationwide company? No. And it was horrible at times. And then did I like dealing with this and then the problems of it and that? And then it just gets to the point where you just get off point of what you really decided, like you started. Yeah. Because you have to now deal with the success of it. And it and it sucks that it's like that, but it can be like that. For sure. Even like with this show. Not this show, but the uh, Hustler Casino. Like, I love that show. It was my dream to do that. I think we've done it really successful. But you and I have talked off off screen. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pain that comes with it. I oh, take yeah. a lot of heat. Oh, yeah. I take a lot of pressure from a lot of things. Um, friends of mine that I play with, sometimes there's been things like if you're winning, you know, like you take a lot. I'm just saying, like, so there's been a lot of emotional things where, like, there's, I could tell you, like, last week after the Wednesday show, I didn't, I just didn't want to play again. Yeah. Like, I just was like, I just like, fuck this, you yeah. know? And then you take four or five days away and you're like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not, not fuck this. And then you can have like three weeks, a month, two months of just the greatest time ever. And then again, it's a challenge. Right. You for know? sure. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you and I, we have a lot in common in terms of um, really feeling like, uh, if we're not growing, like in, in many ways, Moving including forward. professionally, like yeah. uh, there's a problem, you know? Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, so I definitely, you know, can can relate to all of that. And that's why it's going to be really important that like the next phase of my life isn't like poker once a week and being a dad. Like it's not going to be enough. You know what it I mean? Won't be. It won't be enough. I can already me. know you. It won't be. It's not going to be enough. No, exactly. I know that. Yeah. It would never be enough. Yeah. And, and, and you're drawn dead yeah. Back and that. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and Jen reminds me of that like nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so are you guys having kids? Um, soon. Soon we will. Yeah. Are you guys pregnant? Uh, no. no. Get no, we're, no. We're, we're, we're trying. Garrett's pregnant. Yeah. No. Yeah. He identifies as. Pregnant. Yeah. I think you know Jen is um, just kind of cautious about like. Um, just keeping that stuff private or whatever, not wanting the pressure of it all yeah. and things of that nature. So if or, if or when that time comes, you know, I'll, I'm sure I'll say something publicly once we're out of sort of the this the danger zone, if you will. Yeah, so, yeah. No, and, it's understandable. And yeah. we don't have to transcend this now, but but if you guys feel like we can at some point, uh, once everyone heard that you were going to be, you know, our guest on our show, mm-hmm. I got a lot of DMs, I got a lot of posts, and people want to know some like really like just basic shit. Sure. So you yeah. want to do back yeah, and let's forth? Do it. We'll do. We'll just like hit. I like, mean, I don't know what questions you're referencing, so oh, why don't like, you do it? Okay, so like, first question would be that I had people ask like, who are the top few players that you play against that are the toughest for you? Um, that I play against regularly? Yeah, regularly. That they would know. Yeah, I mean, 
I guess like uh, you know, now that Andy's back, like he's of course got to be you know right up there. Yeah. Um, Man, he can he that bluff he tried to get away with. Like yeah. he has kahunas. That was insane. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Andy, go ahead. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess like Henry's been playing some. That's you know, it's a, yeah, yeah. a very tough Plays player. Very well, yeah. You know, like uh, I know you're you're gonna be annoyed that I even like say it, but yeah, I mean you've gone from like a pretty bad to like an extremely strong player. Okay. And and we uh not that annoyed. We have like a lot of sort of commonalities in the way, you know, we approach poker. Yeah. And, you know, like especially you, you log so many hours yeah. at the table. Uh, and so your sample size doesn't lie, bro. You just destroy <laughs> the games you're in and yeah. uh you know, many of those games, of course, we're, we're playing together, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, isn't he so. the second biggest winner behind you? I don't know. I, I hope someone messaged me and told me. I, I hope that there's there's no information out there that tracks that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, the nerds <laughs> are out there tracking yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But what yeah. I do know is uh, all you got to do is look at the leaderboard for the games Nixon and he he just des- destroys the games despite, you know, by the a way, little I didn't self-deprecation. Ask you, I didn't ask you that question to get I know, that answer. I know you okay. didn't. I, I definitely know you didn't. That was really a question. You just yeah. want to keep that and invite not only that, to the but game. A lot of times we're <laughs> playing, yeah, yeah, he's just wanting to be back. We're playing in different games mostly anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's very clear you weren't asking about yourself. No, 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 yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. But, um, okay, um, do you have anyone just off the top of your head? Because they want to know, like, your favorite food, all that bullshit. But go ahead. Like, oh, ask no, if you, no, no, I was just curious. He, you alluded to talent earlier. Okay. Uh, and talent when you were a younger player. Sure, sure yeah. And I'm, I, like, I kind of want to delineate what you mean by talent. Because okay. I, I look at the L.A. poker scene, and it's one of the best I've seen. Like, Bay Area poker's terrible. Terrible because the casinos don't have tournaments running there's uh, not the games aren't small enough and aren't big enough there's just a lot of like medium-sized games it's hard to you know get people to straddle it's just like we don't have it's uh we don't have any rake back we don't have any you know um the, the casinos aren't giving us anything uh to come back to uh but i'm wondering if la just gave you this pool of players and gave you this like really great place to be talented like i could you if you think you were in like milwaukee or new york could you would you have replicated your success yeah uh, the answer is for sure no and actually there's like there's a bit of like a proof to that basically again i'm such a dinosaur in poker but like you know the long and short of it was like internet poker exploded kind of like at the ideal time uh, in 2003 with Chris Moneymaker and that, yeah. was, that was right when I turned 18. Yeah. Right. So if, if we do like the, the math on that, like my whole career was on the internet and that's where, you know, that's where like the, the green pastures were for forever. And then, you know, the ban or whatever, when they froze poker stars in full tilt, mm-hmm. um, I was living Flood in gates opened right poker. Yeah. So I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona at the time, just like, you know, being a, a young guy in my, you know, early twenties and, you know, most other players who played anywhere even near the same stakes as me, they all just immediately moved overseas. Um, but even at that age, I knew that wasn't like what I wanted. Like I didn't want that to be my life even for a short, short term. So uh, I just kind of like just was on a search to figure out what was next. And, you know, I had a couple friends or whatever that played at the casino there. And so I went a few times and I just ended up having like such a great time and ended up going like regularly for like six months. Like just having, we were literally playing five ten, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even no limit. It was like spread limit. <laughs> right? Oh man! There was oh, like man. no. The point is like we're you, like we were literally playing for essentially zero dollars, right? Yeah. And I, it didn't matter. Like I was just having so much fun, and so that made me you know 
sort of be like, all right, it's time. And I always kind of had plans, hopes to move to Southern California. I was like, I know that, you know, the opportunities in Southern California are much better. So that's when I did that. I did that at like 25. Um, and then, yeah, I've, you know, I've been here uh, ever since. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it could have looked like this in any other, you know, city in the world. Maybe Vegas, I guess, but I would never live in Vegas. So, you know, I think in in a life of very fortunate things happening to me, like starting right away with being like born a white male, you know, in yeah. the United States, uh, it's like another uh, incredible sort of stroke of good luck. Yeah. Okay, you can ask him what his favorite food is now. What's your favorite food? <laughs> Lettuce. <laughs> yeah. When you're not when you're not eating a cardboard protein bar, what do you really like? No, to eat there's so many not? things. But I would say so. Uh, <laughs> this place, Salt and Straw, and I think there's a bunch of copycats now, but they make the most outrageous ice cream. Yeah. And like I read about it, and I can't even um, repeat like what I read. But they they process it in some way that's just like the most outrageous thing. And then. Uh, the other one would probably be deep dish pizza. Yeah. I just, yeah. uh, uh, none of that thin where do you crust go stuff. For, where do you just, go for that? Okay, so oh. these days I don't like eat it as much, but right. um, there used to be a place and it was a chain all throughout Arizona. It was called Oregano's. Oh, and wow. they, and it, it was good? You know, like inexpensive, whatever. And they just had this like incredible deep dish wow. pizza. And I would just get that and then I would get the pizuki. Pazookis are all, yeah. I mean, these are just some of the greatest foods so you, man has ever, ever created. Been, you like a loaf of bread with like tomato sauce and cheese Dude, on it. Dude, I love deep dish pizza. I mean, too. yeah, you know. I used to admire you. The, I did. Well, these days, like I can't get away with Dude, like eating stuff listen, like that don't very listen often. To listen, but, we're not going to talk about shredding up. We're yeah. talking about what you like yeah. to eat if there was no consequences. It's absolutely incredible. And yeah. how do you not like deep it's, dish it's pizza? It's absolutely incredible. Crust. I love thin crust too. No. Yeah, deep yeah. dish is I, so just good. Have you ever been to Chicago? I get yeah. full out off of off of like three bites because Garrett, it's just yeah. too much bread. Or you have either one of you been to Chicago? So I, I've been, yeah, but of course I know the pizzas are the best. I can't remember. Go to like, Lou Melanotti's or Uno Pizza okay. when you get there. And yeah, you yeah. make sure it's it's so good. So there's this place in Chicago apparently that like will freeze their deep dish. It's Lou Melanotti's. Yeah, so we should order some next time Garrett's on air. I have them in my freezer. I'll give him one when he leaves. And by the way, why it's, him? Why it's not a, us? It's a spinach one, which I'm never going to eat. That's I'm going to give it to you when I'll you leave. Oh no, you're going somewhere. <laughs> you're going somewhere from here, huh? Uh, I'm, I'm actually yeah. I'm in. Okay, uh, I'm going him, to a concert. Tonight, I'll send yeah. him. Yeah, I'll, you're not going back home. Uh-uh. All right, I'll send him to you. I have one in the freezer that's Lou Melanotti's, but it's like spinach. I'm yeah. never going to eat it. I like the sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shitty diet. But uh, we'll, I'll I'll make sure some get ordered to you. They're for being a frozen deep dish pizza. They're the nuts. Yeah, that sounds like you can just eat it like once every six months. You can have one when you're like hungover breakfast. Yeah, that sounds like, like amazing. Yeah. Again. God, I had so many like preconceived <laughs> yeah. I mean, notions. About I'm already going to be eating in that case. Really yeah. good, you right? take a big loss on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Got me. Thought for sure it was going to be yeah. like a steak and potatoes. I was no. all wrong I'm about so you, happy. Garrett. It's deep dish pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else? I, I can't remember what they want to know. They want to know your favorite show. They probably want to know everything. They love you, but like I don't know. Do you have something interesting? What is your favorite me? show? What kind yeah. of what's the genre that you go to? Mm, I don't know. There's a lot of them, I guess. But uh, I guess I'll just like name a few off the top of my head. I think. Um, comedies are extremely hard to do well the overwhelming majority of good comedies i don't actually appreciate um so seinfeld and curb your enthusiasm are just two clear exceptions those have always been two you like that dry shows. humor yeah i just think larry david's like one of the most brilliant people greatest show the, ever yeah curb your enthusiasm. it's it's just so outrageously good uh i guess like on the 
the drama side, you know, it's it's varied. There's a lot of things, you know, that I, I really enjoy. But certainly Vince Gilligan's um, Breaking Bad is, you know, like oh, right Breaking up there. Bad is is, great. Yeah, like one of my favorite shows. But, you know, recently like Severance, which has kind of got like a bit of like a thriller mystery element to it. it is you really seem like a too, Westworld so. person, potentially. If I was to get up and go use the restroom, would that be weird? No, All right. So. Yeah. Plus, you know what? It'll be a better show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll be back in a minute. So I thought the first season of Westworld was good. Uh, I thought well, it was... And third season was great, too. I have, So I haven't, I like gave up. So I the so first season was good, but flawed. And then I got a few episodes into season two, and, and my wife loves this show, too. And after, I think, three episodes of season two, I go, I'm done. I, I had to power through season two yeah. when season three came yeah. out. And it's worth it, because season three is good. Yeah. And then I heard four is like kind of Okay, they just started crappy. it, right? Number four. Yeah, they just aired it. Yeah. So, yeah. catch up. Yeah, I will. I feel like, uh, to be honest with you, I don't really love superficial questions no, I feel I, like the audience loves it because you're just you're Garrett and everyone loves yeah. you but it's it's like what's your favorite poker hand Garrett yeah you know I um I'm glad you mentioned that I kind of figured that by the way you pivoted but yeah I, I couldn't agree more I, I think uh you know it, certainly at least for like um for selfish reasons myself like you know I think there's all sorts of like much deeper things you know we we can talk about and I think that's why like I don't, I, I'm not as, I'm not great, like, uh, with small talk. I'm not great, like, at Me parties too. and things like that, you know? Like, it's, it's also, like, I have my guard up with people quite a bit, so it, it's hard for me to sort of open up to people and want to discuss these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm just bored by talking about like more superficial topics, you know, it's so. kind of, it reminds me of like, obviously you're not on dating apps, but I am uh -huh. and I hate them. I don't, I don't really, I don't really do anything with them. I'm just on there b to fight depression. But <laughs> <laughs> like when I get the, Hey, how are you? How mm -hmm. was your weekend? Yeah. Uh, any fun plans? I'm just like, Oh, that's, that is the, like m the easiest way to to ask someone to do like the mental work of communicating like not putting in any effort it feels kind of like that like very superficial small talk i struggle with also for sure and but i you know i uh i have several friends of course on the apps and so you know the apps were before my time given i've been in you know in a relationship for so long uh but uh, I love hearing stories from my friends and things of this nature, you know, just like the hilarious Tinder dates they have. I have a funny, I have a funny date yeah, story. Well, you know, I, like I hate, I hate making fun of people's appearances unless it's Nick. But, uh, and so this is not like me making fun of this guy, but okay. it's like, it's like, but okay. It so I connected with this guy. What and was his full name? <laughs> <laughs> and uh we agreed to go on a date and he was 40 and i'm in my mid 40s so i'm like oh great like a guy my age what well, guys my age are looking for like 22 year olds so i can mm. never get a guy my age to date me guys of every age are looking for 22 year olds. yeah go exactly yeah. On, yeah and and so unless they're 22 and they're looking for a kinky old woman yeah a cougar yeah, yeah. so but so this guy i'm like this guy's 40 like i work out he works out he like he looks amazing he looked amazing in every photo i'm like damn like i hit the jackpot someone my age looks amazing and um i was like okay we we arranged for the date uh i'm like waiting at the theater like in front of the theater across from the restaurant and i like text him i'm like hey i'm in front of the theater outside the restaurant and <laughs> This guy comes up to me. I have no idea who the fuck he is. And he's like, Veronica? And I'm like, who are you? And he's like, I'm so-and-so. I'm like, what? Oh, he straight catfished you, huh? He catfished the <laughs> yeah. shit out of me. He was literally like 150 pounds heavier. Yeah. Like, 
he was a handsome guy. I would have gone on a date with him anyway, yeah. but it felt so like I was being lied to. Yeah. And he had hair in all his photos. He had no hair. <clears throat> and so I went for dinner was with him, him anyway. Was it him younger or somebody totally different? No, it was him. But it younger. Was, so I asked him. Mm. I was like, how old are your photos? He's like, oh, they were from when I was 25. And I'm like, no wonder I thought you looked amazing for 40. I'm like, you can't put those pictures up. And he's like, why? I look the same. So he was like, I think a little delusional about his, about the way he <laughs> oh, looked. He, he, went, he went for it. He went <laughs> yeah, for the, yeah. I look the same. A uh, lot of people are like that on the dating apps. There's so many stories. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, it's a completely different person you're meeting. That's crazy. He ate one too many of these. <laughs> Lou Melanani spinach pizza. That is yours, sir. But I know you can't You better take, take that, that to the yeah. concert with you and just be like, it's pretty funny, <laughs> in huh? the air. Yeah. Yeah, just, it's at the Hollywood Bowl. Just go up to a vendor and be like, you got an oven I can, can borrow? Put this in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tip you. It's fine. Put it next to the fries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ship direct to you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's it? You don't got anything else? Oh, you, or is it my turn to tell I don't even know your if it, story? I don't know if it's a turn. I was just waiting. I thought, I didn't know. No, but, we're not sharing bad date stories? All right. So <laughs> I have something we could go, we could go back to uh, a little bit. You know, you were talking about, this has always been sort of a fascinating subject that I've sort of talked about like with my therapist for many years, which is sort of trying to find the balance between, I think, two things that I often find are diametrically opposed, which is on one hand, sort of finding your passion, like working hard for things, yeah. staying busy, all of these sort of things, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and then B, on the other hand, sort of living like a, a more peaceful existence where um, like our anxiety levels are at more like reasonable levels and things of that nature. To me, like I've always really struggled with that. And that's part of why um, I I do have a lot of downtime these days because Mm -hmm. it's like, if I am running full speed, it's like, I'm just so exhausting. Like I exhaust myself in terms Mm -hmm. of just like, you know, being on at at all times and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So I was just wondering like if you had any sort of, thoughts on on that and how to how to balance that yeah well i i the what i'm going to say is like the obvious but i will say this for me if i had to pick <clears throat> from being peaceful and trying to keep the anxiety down versus right. being hard charged sure. and having more anxiety i would pick this because i tend to get more depressed over here sure all i have to do here is just fight the fear and the anxiety which sure. i have like things to do like you do right mm-hmm. but here i get really dark yeah when i'm really idle yeah and like when my business is shut down and before the stream started and it's like it's i think what it comes down to the word identity like i have to have an identity whatever mm-hmm. that is and i and and i fight for that constantly um, so that that's something that you have to balance yourself because you know yourself better. But what I also do is if I am hard, if I am hard charging a business or a goal or whatever it is, I always make sure like if there is that non-productive but something I love to do but it's really not moving me forward, I always still do those things. Yeah. So I find time to chill out, relax, or go do something that I love to do. But what I have to fight too is not to let myself fall too deep into that because I have started businesses that have grown into this massive thing and then I've lost interest in it. The producer here, Clint, who's with me, who helped me with production of all my businesses and where I really lost touch of my business because I got so disconnected from it and then I got idle 
and then everything just went to shit. So it's just like this constant battle to keep the perfect. It's like a golf game. You're either driving great and then you're not chipping good or putting and then this gets better and it's so hard to keep the wheels and on. And when you're in respect. one phase, like I notice when I take downtime and I prioritize my piece and I'm not like constantly ambitious, I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing anything. I'm not yeah. like, why am I not productive? And then when I'm productive, I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm mentally exhausted. Yeah. I need to not do something this weekend. It's just like, you're chronically thinking about this other thing that you should be doing. Yeah, there just has to be that day or those couple of days where even if you're working some new thing and you're putting and you're like exhausting yourself, you're exhausting Jen, you're exhausting everyone. There just has to be that day where if you like to go like whatever, like not saying you want to go lay on the beach, but yeah. just do that for two days and eat pizza mm-hmm. and then get your shit together again and make sure you don't make it 15 days where you're laying on the beach and eating pizza. For sure. You know what I mean? Like I do. back to balance, right? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with what both of you are saying. And I think that that in practice, that's sort of what I've found more to be true as well as like, like I can kind of sense deep down there's there's something not right about me just like running full speed towards you know a, a series of goals, uh, and that like there's it's like it's a bit existentially kind of hollow, but like nevertheless it usually beats the alternative for me. It beats the alternative, <laughs> yeah. right? But yeah. like a perfect example for me is when I was at my busiest and had all these employees and we we're doing events and everything else. I wish this was down when I was with, and it actually chokes me up. I wish this was down when I was with my little girls. And I gave them so much attention, put so much into them that I have like no regrets that way. But even just a little less of like at 9 p.m. when I got 15 people like on my ass about something, it's just fuck you because I'm going to go kick that ball outside. I'm going to, so if I could just take a little bit back of that, I would, but I never was the guy that just was disappeared. I mean, I've, I've been entrenched with raising my girls, but that's one little regret. So if the, the things that are important to you, no matter how hard charged you are, stay on point there. Because sure. they're so much more important than anything monetary, any business or any success, which is all ultimately bullshit once you're gone. For sure, yeah. I appreciate that. I, I agree with that. In my case, for that exact one, like I've just been super fortunate in that like, you know, ever since I was like, even in like my my you know, 20s, uh, like my work's always kind of been part time. So I've always had so much time to really focus in on that. You You, really have lived a charmed life. Yeah. You know that you're blessed. Oh, of course. Combined. Sorry. No, that's fine. No, combined with like sort of me being a personal development junkie. Yeah. You know, all of these books in one or 30 different forms, like basically reiterate your Mm -hmm. message there. So yeah, like making sure like, you know, you focus on, you know, the, the relationships that are most important to you or whatever, kind of being always like the centerpiece, the priority of your life. That one's kind of always come yeah, easy natural, to me. Yeah. yeah, and you know, actually, it, it reminds me of something you said that I kind of disagree with earlier in my case, which is like sometimes even people in your circle will want to bring you down. Uh, I think maybe it's just like a difference of the size of our circle or something, but in my case, let's say my circle is like 20 people and like, those 20 people I would tell anything to. I do anything for. They do anything for me, like whatever. And these are people that just like, you know, I would, I, it's just like those relationships are so incredibly strong uh, for me. And they're like, they are like the centerpiece of my life. Whereas numbers 20 through 100, for instance, um, yeah. I'm, uh, 
those relationships are much weaker for me than they probably are for many I'm people. Gonna edit so, yeah. I'm going to edit it. Yeah. I have a very small circle because I'm very polarized in my personal life. Like I either, someone really, really likes me or doesn't. Right. Like that's just my personality. Like Veronica doesn't. Right. But it's fine. <laughs> and so we, so for me, my circle's really small because I'm not an Insta bro and I like, I, I have a small, people I've been friends with for 40 years. Sure. So I guess what I mean is the other outer layer Got of it. peers Got it, that yeah. just may shake your hand and tell you how great you are and, oh, yeah. I'm so happy for you, but they're lacking some success and deep down human nature covets and wants to be equal. That's right. all I mean. No, I mean, yeah, agree with that. And I, I think also like in both of our cases, like there's a lot of people that want something from us. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why like I don't, I like, I don't really trust anyone. You got to keep your guard. Like I just assume like everyone has just some like manipulative. Yeah. Um, again, if they're not in that inner circle and you know, maybe two people have joined that circle in the last 10 years for me or something. It's just like, it's very, it's very hard. Yeah. It's kind of interesting when I hear you say that you've had a friend for like 40 years because like I went through a point in my life. I feel like my life completely changed like 10 years ago went through some trauma, just like I, f- I had Veronica 2.0 on my Twitter for a while because I feel like that was the second version of me. She is gone. And one of the things was I don't keep friends around just because I'm related to them or there's a long period of time that I've known them. I keep people around who share values with me and want to see me you know, be successful in whatever that is. When you say like your inner circle, well, you, you mentioned it, I'll mention it too. I wouldn't surround myself with anyone who I even like remotely thought that they yeah. wanted me to second, not succeed. Second layer. Yeah. yeah. Maybe second layer. Yeah. That's what I meant. But, um, if I, if I sense that at all in a person, I cut them of out course, of my life. Of course. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I've like my circle so small and I actually don't have close friends that I've known for like 20, I, I have friends, acquaintances that I've known for 20 years, but I don't have anyone that I've known for 20 years that I'll call and like tell everything to. I have a handful or less that have been in the 40 plus range that I grew up with that sincerely are like, I could pick up the phone and ask for anything and it would be done and vice versa. And one of the players is on Monday night, Darren Drew, who plays, he just plays Mondays, mm-hmm. just whatever, but he, he's got a twin brother. Yeah, he sucks. But um, <laughs> he's got a twin brother and I grew up with those guys. And <clears throat> when I was going through some really low points, you know, uh, if, even financially, I could pick up the phone and say, I need a half a million bucks because yeah. I, I, you know, ba- way back in the day yep. and, and the next day it was here. So yeah, my circle is so small because I'm like you, I don't trust a lot of people. Um, I don't really even have a lot of like bro, bro friends. I mean, doing my businesses, I got my family, the gal that works here with me, uh, she's a friend of mine. Uh, uh, other than that, like, you know, you're my friend, but we don't, we don't like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm, I'm the same as you. Who's your best friend, Garrett? Um, I have like probably several best friends. They were all kind of like, uh, best men at my wedding, but none of them are poker players. Don't be Switzerland. Give one name. I mean, there's, there's a couple guys named two. Frank and Joey. Those are the two people who, uh, who Hey, Frank and Joey, are they like Italian? from New York. Yeah. Are they Italiano? Frank and Joey, are they Frank help and Joey me with Italian? all my hits. Joey's Mexican, actually. Oh, so it's okay. Frank is not. Uh, he's, just, he's just, we've Frank. just white. Uh, just but, Frank. you know, I, I think what, <laughs> <laughs> what you brought Frank up, Smith. Frank does sound like a hitman. What you brought up uh, is, I think, like a, always a fascinating concept to me is sort of this, like, uh, 
I guess the concept of blood and does it matter? You know, Jen and I bicker about this some too, but I couldn't agree more with your sentiment where like, if someone doesn't treat me and my wife the right way, mm -hmm. uh, like I don't want them in my life. Agreed. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't matter really, if they're blood. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. And it doesn't matter to me at all. And then to your second point about uh, friendships in that case, that one I think is more complicated. Uh, to a very large extent, I agree with what you were saying in terms of like, if we've grown apart and like whatever, like I'm not gonna just like let the fact that you know, we've known each other several decades, sort of keep it, keep the relationship strong. But what I will say is I do think relationships have uh, compounding interest, right? right? Whereas like, you know, as an example, you know, like uh, one of those guys that I just mentioned, Joey, like, I mean, we Mexican. are, uh -huh, we are such different people now. Like it's, it's crazy yeah. uh, compared to them. Uh, and he challenges me like in a lot of ways. And if I were to meet him tomorrow, like there's no way we'd be like close friends. But I get that the relationship as a result of, you know, we became very close when we were six years old, that the strength of that is like, it's just so incredibly powerful. But there has to be a variable involved where there's like, it's like an investment account where you're putting into it every once in a while, For right? Sure. If For you're sure. not putting anything into it, the friendship dissolves. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in the end, like in all these situations, like whoever we're talking about, like they need to be like a high character, like quality human being, the kind of person who like values your friendship in the same way, you know, that, that you do him. And, you know, in the case of my friend, Joey, like, of course that's, that's very much the situation. It's more just like every not important thing we disagree on, you know, <laughs> which is like, you know, so, so I've always found these conversations to be, uh, you know, particularly fascinating and, and, and whatnot, sort of balancing this, like, <clears throat> Well, this, this person is challenging, you know, but like the strength of the relationship a lot of times um, can, can far supersede, you know, those day-to-day -day struggles, if you will. So. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, it's really a funny dichotomy. We've talked about the fact that we're friends. We're not close friends like I am with my friend and your friend, not, mm -hmm. even, not even close. Um, but our relationship is challenging yeah, at times, for professionally sure. and personally. For sure, yeah. But we both know professionally that we put up with each other's shit. And personally, I think since we're, we are polar opposites, I still consider you a friend personally. So it's, but it's, but it's, you're, but we're each a challenge to each other for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've obviously spent like plenty of time away from the tables, like yeah. hanging out as yeah. well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, like that's always like an opportunity for me to, to look inward, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, whether it's you or, or someone else where a lot of our viewpoints are different, a lot, you know, um, let's say with, with certain business aspects, uh, we want to go in a different direction than one another with things. Yeah. I always think it's like an opportunity for me to just say like, you know, how can you be better Garrett? You know, I, it's kind of corny to say, but like really focusing on keeping your side of the fence clean in life yeah. instead of like pointing fingers, it's like extremely rewarding because then like if, if you, if you do feel like you're self-aware enough to get there and you are doing your part in that, then like you can kind of just like be at peace. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's good for people to hear because whether it's a long-term relationship or a short-term relationship, there's work yeah. to be done for and sure, because yeah. there's different personalities, there's different belief systems. I mean, just for the people to hear it, we were on the phone for an hour and a half on Thursday and yeah. we both almost gave up. Yeah. On the phone, we're like, you're ready to go. You know what? Yeah. I got a good idea. Yeah. Fuck you. You know, yeah. like even yeah. you were right. For and, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it just at the end of the day, like, that's just not, that's just, it's just not who you are. It's not who I am. And yeah. 
but it's it's good for people here because relationships are challenging and especially yeah you just sorry i'll leave it at that for sure i, I think what you're saying like i when you're talking about keeping your side of the fence clean like mm-hmm. reflecting back on yourself i yeah. use that a lot in my professional life because you can get into a place where you're like blaming other people or like you know just making excuses and it's not constructive and i'm always thinking like what am i saying that is it constructive is it is it leading to an improvement because if it's not i'm not going to bother and i'm not going to fixate it fixate on it mentally if that makes sense yep yeah totally I didn't mean to shut down the whole conversation. You, no, you no, didn't you at did. all. I actually, <laughs> you know, the reason why you got crickets from me is because I actually was thinking about what you said and I didn't have a quick quirp like I normally do. I mean, <laughs> I go through phases in my job where I just get so irritated with, you know, everyone gets irritated with their coworkers yeah. or I get an email and I'm like, well, you know, don't they understand the like depth of what I just did? Like, why are they minimizing it? But I have to oftentimes step back and control myself and say, okay, like maybe they don't have a full understanding of it. If I respond in this way, is it going to be constructive or am I just going to end up looking like someone who can't control themselves and just like a big raging bitch? Yeah. And it, totally. And in, and if you're in a, re, uh, just a, and then I think pref, professionally and personally, I think that works totally. And I, I give you a perfect example and it just takes, it, I'll tell you this, it takes two people to have the same end game and that is to remain friends remain in business and if you have one person that doesn't have that agenda it's not going to work and i'll give you the perfect thing he would know this is true i have the greatest partner in hustler casino live he's a workhorse he's a clydesdale he's a fucking genius when it comes to lineups he has the ability to absorb so much bullshit that i could never even handle we would have zero players if i did his job zero we would all just be like fucking go somewhere else but he's the best but him and I fight. Literally, he's the most frustrating. Ryan Feldman is the most frustrating person on the planet to me when it comes to having a conversation and like communication styles and repetitive shit, he says. But honestly, at the end of the day, we always wind up like, dude, it's cool. Yeah, love you. All right, love you too. Boom. And whatever, because that's our agenda. Like, I truly like him. He truly likes me. And we're so polar opposites in how we do business. He, he just has to stay out of my lane. I stay out of his lane. But sometimes our lanes cross. And it's so frustrating. But the common goal professionally is to keep one of the greatest cash game streams going. And then honestly, even if this ended, I'm always going to remain friends with him, even though he's a pain in my ass. Yeah. He's so fucking fixated on this goal of making this thing work i don't think there was another option i was just saying earlier before you got here that i interviewed him on poker after dark he um before the live stream went up and Mm -hmm. he was just starting it and i I was thinking in the back of my mind like this is not gonna work like i've seen i worked on stones live like everyone thought that live of the bikes not making any money you know these texas card rooms aren't making money off their live streams and like he didn't fucking care he had the vision yeah. and nothing was going to get in his way. Just blinders on. And I, yeah. you have to be that way. You totally have to be that He's way. He's relentless. He is relentless. And like I said, we took a plan and a vision and just said, all right, dude, ready, break. And we went hard. So yeah. which uh, live stream do you like better? <laughs> well, I, <it's> a, <laughs> oh, this is Switzerland you're talking no, no, to. I'll, well, I'll take well a, I'd like to say I'll that like, both pivot. have. Well, what I will say is like, you know, <laughs> people can just see my volume and they can just figure it out from there in terms of, you know, what percentage I'm playing on various different yeah. live streams, you know. But, uh, you know, and I'm really from there, I'm really not trying to like pivot to be Switzerland. I just like had another thought. And I don't want to I don't want to make this like a kiss Ryan's ass sort of thing. You know, we obviously like, you know, work 
closely together as well. But it, it's funny because at we after the stream yesterday, it was probably Wes. Like looks at Ryan, he goes, "You look tired, Ryan." Like what's up with you today, you know? And Ryan's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I barely work. So <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought that was hilarious. Cause yeah. I mean, this guy's like, I've literally never seen him not working like at all times. And, um, you know, again, as someone who, who doesn't work a fraction as hard, you know, as, as I used to, like someone who literally dedicates basically every waking moment, uh, to their work. There's something about that. That's both sick and also like very impressive to me, you know? And, and yeah. so I've always really appreciated people who just dedicate every inch of their being to, to their, to their work or, or their passion or, or any one particular thing. It's always cool, regardless of that, what that passion is to just watch someone be excited about something. And I think that's why some content creators are super popular because you're watching someone just being like, Oh fuck, this is amazing. Okay. Let's dive deep. And Ryan's one of those guys. You're just watching this like super uber passionate person who yeah. became very successful where no one else could. They, meaning the other place, had had the sauce. They didn't have, they, they had the sauce with Ryan on everything you're saying and they didn't have someone on the business end with, with them, but Ryan was the secret sauce there and, and he built that show, the other show up from what it was to what it became at the end and then was just at a dead end. There was no other place to go because no one would invest well, in if, it. Well, if people don't ha share your vision, yeah. don't believe in your vision. They just vision. wanted the paycheck. They just yeah. wanted whatever paywall amount of money was coming in. They wanted that paycheck. They didn't want to work as hard as him. They didn't want to put in uh, any more money into it to make it better. And um, that is... Here we what, are. You see, here we are. Well, I mean, I think that there's plenty to say about, you know, whether you want to call it like, you know, a social media company or whatnot, but just referring to YouTube specifically, just um, what a powerful, powerful weapon YouTube is, you know, in 2022 and yeah. how, you know, so many fortunes have been made by a variety of content creators and, and things of that nature Mr. because Beast. of it. Yeah. And um, for, you know, your team to have the foresight to yeah. understand that that is the future, you know, and. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, in a decade from now, if it's even sort of an exponential sort of amount higher than that, you know, where, you know, maybe more people are, are sort of getting their entertainment from that, even over some of these streaming giants and whatever, you know, like sure. YouTube is just so incredibly powerful. And even my brand has grown a lot uh, since you guys started your show because yeah. so many people um, now have more access to me and I have such a bigger following from people who would never watch a show behind a paywall. Well, you're so. going to have a lot more uh, to your business soon because uh, n very shortly it's on the like the t the back end of be being buttoned up. We're going to take this same concept, this free concept in this show, and it's going into China, Macau, Taiwan. That's yeah. happening right now. Something I'm working on. And so to your point, like if you're out there and you're starting a business you and, and it is a business that is needs fuse or popularity you got to get it out there well, on the platform yeah. so much poker content is gatekept and gatekept mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. it's behind hidden. paywalls it's, hidden. it's yeah. hidden like live of the bike for years and i'm a huge fan of live of the bike i don't want to talk shit about live of the bike i did their grand opening <laughs> worry, i got you but the paywall that they had i don't know if they still i don't think they still have it because of you guys because of us poker go and their paywall um, which I understand they're, they're putting in a ton of money into high quality content, but it's good. still, it, 
it still serves a purpose to allow people to see your content and to become fans. And I think we used to measure uh, everything in a monetary sense, like a direct monetary gain, right? So I put this out there. It's going to get views. I'm going to make money off of this. But it's not always like that. A lot of times, like, you need to piggyback off of that content and then you make money in other ways like movies they make a ton of move a ton of money they'll like break even on the movie and make a ton of money off of selling toys that's related to the movie you know it's kind of like that so you put out the free content on youtube and then it blows up it goes from there you become the biggest poker show in the world bigger than the world series of poker main event yeah you have two owners who could give two shits about the initial monetary vision of the of the company other than create the best greatest show out there and then worry about it later yeah it takes a lot of balls it takes a lot of balls to do that and you know it it reminds me of you know mark zuckerberg in the early years of facebook where he like refused to, to monetize it you know knowing eventually you know something smartest something movie ever made yeah and and i don't want to i don't want to sort of um you know i'll let you do it in terms of like cast judgment in terms of which revenue model is is the stronger one right but what i will say for my business it's so much better that all the yeah, content is free well everyone else is coming so, along now yeah because yeah, they have to yeah but you know even like uh you know like poker go it's like uh you know i recently played on high stakes poker on poker go and it was like me and like you know six other guys every day who were 10 times more famous than me. Like, think of, like, the six most famous poker players in the world, you know, each time. It was, like, Ivy, Patrick Antonius, Doyle, um, Tom Dwan, Daniel Negreanu. Like, I'm, like, probably forgetting two. Like, just, like, the the top five biggest names in poker and me in some of these games. You played with Bryn Kenny, too, before the (laughs) Yeah, he, he played in those games, too, ironically. But anyway, the point is, is the amount of sort of feedback I got which is always directly related to the eyeballs that watch. Of course. It was like a joke. It was like a fraction of a fraction of what I get when I play on a Wednesday. Yeah, like, right. Because right. we had 15,000 people watching yeah, Wednesday. Because no, because nobody no no one watches behind a paywall, which right. is like in the end it's not that big of a deal to me obviously. Like I'm, you know, there to play poker and like good poker, you know, like that game was like 500 1000. So I was happy to play. It was a very right. big poker game. Uh but you get used to the eyeballs, and then when totally. you don't get them in what I assumed was going to be sort of the biggest, you know, like whatever, um, let's just say it was eye-opening for me. Yeah, and I'll tell you, that show, I have nothing negative to say about it. It's a, They do a great production. It looks great. They have great talent on there. Nothing negative at all. All I could say is I have a subscription because I'm competition, and I want to see what's going on. And I don't even use it because it's just complicated to me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, I got to go in, log in, this, and... It's just, but to go to YouTube and just click on like any game you want is pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I also like the fact that content creators, I'm sure you're not going to lose your mind if a small content creator who has 200 followers uses a clip and then talks about it um, from your show. We don't. We let them do that. If they want to analyze the show, talk. It's it's so beneficial. It's like free advertising for you. I just don't understand. I'm not going to say who doesn't allow that to happen sure but it's it's insane to me because it's it's the new way like these uh micro influencers are helping businesses grow 
just g- even like 200 people being yeah. able to see that and then saying, oh my gosh, Hustler sounds like an awesome show. I'm going to watch it next yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, your subscriptions go up, your views go up, everything. The only thing we, like if someone wants to take our whole show and post it, which they've tried to do before, then we, we block it because we're going to monetize it. But all the analyzers, the clip makers, all that stuff, yeah, this goes, go do your thing. They make them in Chinese, Japanese, this one, that one, and we just like let it roll. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone's being pretty diplomatic here, but I think in true Switzerland fashion, I, I will just say like, you know, I work with, with all of these sort of companies being mentioned, like they're all great to me. I enjoy all of them. Really the only sort of reference I was making in terms of just the eyeballs, the number of people that watch when I'm on HCL compared to any other competing products, Uh, it's like not even close. I I mean, I agree with you. Like I think Poker Go was one of the first things that Mm. tried to make poker big, that invested in poker, that has a vision of poker and they still do. And I, and I'm also grateful for the opportunity that they gave me, but it doesn't mean just because they did all of that doesn't mean we can't say, hey, you know what? You should allow small creators to take clips of your shows. It will benefit you. Hey, maybe make some of your shows free because like, let's say they make 25% of their content free and that brings in new viewers and that someone says, you know what? I do want to subscribe to this. I just, I think that there's still room for improvement regardless of how good it is. Yeah, and and even me as these folks being my competition, like I have... I have no beef with them. Like even like the lodge, the lodge, I think they have a great niche. I know they're going to invest more money in it and do some things. And Doug and Andrew and those guys, I think are going to have great success. And I hope they, because there's room for more poker. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, all of these companies, you know, starting sort of with the, the legacy companies in poker go and live at the bike, like they did like an immense good in terms of, uh, you know, bringing more popularity to the game. And I think, you know, your company just kind of continues that. And, and I fully expect, yeah. you know, that that trend to continue. Um, I think, you know, the, the sky's the limit, I think both in terms of reaching a bigger audience yeah. in poker through this, but I think yeah. also in terms of, you know, even just speaking on, on your company specifically, like just how big Mm-hmm. you can get like it's 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 insane in terms of you yeah. know like i think you you know you can definitely get to a place where you know on on your bigger games like you know you're hitting seven figure view counts regularly mm-hmm. and things of that nature yeah. and then everything that goes along with that i mean that's the that's the exponential power of the internet in general yeah it's like whether you're an individual content creator or a, a company in your guys's case like the numbers can get very big very quick you know and and of course, for you know many reasons, uh, personally and otherwise, like I'm, you know, very much cheering for that to happen. Because I mean, if you guys are hitting a million plus on every show, I mean, poker itself will be thriving. Yeah, and so. and one of the things that, of course, you know, we did is we just didn't let the the free live. Again, we're talking about we put everything up in complete free perpetuity, and so a show that you play on will get watched literally the analytics are so intense they're like it watched millions of views yeah. because they're just being watched over and over and over yeah, again yeah. and then we're putting these clips out that we're putting and they're being watched hundreds of thousands of times and so that's a great thing for poker for now, sure i know we've been here for a while but i do want to pick your brain about like one last thing yeah. since we're on this topic sure. yeah, we're good. just the economy of poker okay. and some people are worried that poker's going on a downhill slide uh, that poker's not so good in Vegas, that there's too many nitty regs in the games. 
Um, what do you foresee? Like, what what are your thoughts on the poker economy, like in the foreseeable future? Sure, you know, I think people have been talking about sort of doomsday for poker, like at the very least, if not earlier, you know, since the the legislation was passed where full tilt and poker star shut down, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it just poker, it, yeah. it just hasn't happened. It it just simply hasn't happened. You know, there's so many different metrics, things of, of that nature that you can use, but like. I think you could start with main event entrance, you know, each year. Like right. we're literally still in the middle of a pandemic in June of this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're constantly breaking records. The only thing discussed about on Twitter in June was how everyone was getting COVID, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Playing in, yeah this dog won't die. It's play, not going to die. <laughs> playing in Vegas. And yet, nevertheless, like the main event had what? Almost as many entrants as it ever has. I think it was second ever, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, like poker's going nowhere now. With that said, there's a million different micro economies within poker. Right. So is internet poker as a whole going away? No, but like cash games might because of, uh, you know, of, of, um, you know, of bots and, uh, you know, real time assistance, things like that. Tournaments probably are a little bit safer, especially smaller buy in, um, you know, big field type things, you know, are live cash going anywhere? Of course not. Not even close is the ability for um, like a much larger number of professionals who want to play between 510 and 2550 uh, in public games, is that going away? Sure, certainly it already has to some extent. I, I don't know, you know, um, if that's going to go away completely or whatever, but that is sort of the nature of, of poker. That is sort of the nature of, you know, it's like a free market, you know, and that's definitely, you know, when I, I think about things I'm most proud of in my career, it is sort of finding a variety of different pathways. You know, it, it was, you know, playing six max online to being like, oh, wait, heads up. Wait, like it's just me and one other guy. Like, oh, I can have a much higher win rate doing that. <laughs> yeah, it is recognizing the opportunity wasn't, you know, moving to Europe or Thailand or whatever to continue to play online. It was playing live. It was realizing like, OK, streams are the future because like. I'm not going to be one of these like slimy guys running like a high stakes home game where mm-hmm. like they're raking several hundred dollars a hand in addition to what they're stealing out of the pot. You know, like none of these things were, were going to be my path. And so I think sort of finding uh, finding a path that I felt good about, like ethically to remain in this game in a way that I enjoy and profitably is um yeah, it, it's that it's just something I'm proud of. But I, I guess I'm kind of rambling on here more in the sense that. Poker's not going anywhere, and many of the sub-economies within poker are certainly not going anywhere and either. And tell me if I remember this right. If this is wrong, just flat say, no, I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't remember that. But I think when you first started playing stream poker, you were reluctant because you don't want people to see your cards. For sure, yeah, right? exactly. Until you realize, A lot of cares? people were like yeah. that at Stones. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting in the sense that, yeah, you know, Ryan was uh, running the show at, yeah. at Live at the Bike at that time. And yeah, he, he hit me up relentlessly for, uh, let's call it a year or something like that. Uh, That's right. And, and I, just, like, no. I, I just didn't see like uh, any value in it. Um, the games were small and not particularly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he came to me one week and he's like, all right, like I put together like a 100, 200 game, like, you know, told me this was like a good game. So I was like, all right, whatever, like I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot. It wasn't necessarily like I was scared about giving the information away in one game. Got it. It was more like, uh, is this a path? Like I, I care. Is this going to be worth me putting my time? Yeah. And, and you know, it's, that's kind of how it sort of played out. You know, Ryan back then was sort of hit and miss in terms of, 
um, being able to put together great games. But to in defense of him, like the views just weren't there yet. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. the views bring better games and things of that nature or whatever. But the the gist of it is he started putting together some pretty good, some pretty big games to where it became interesting to me. And then kind of like the the sky's the limit from there. You know, when I think about you know, his career specifically, you know, you've been a wildly successful guy for a really long time. I mean, Ryan was literally like as a prop grinding like, like zero dollar stakes, like 40 hours a week. Ryan $30,000 while he was a prop running that show. He was not where yeah. he is today. And to, to think about sort of the evolution of him as a poker player and a businessman. I mean, it's, it's pretty insane. It's insane. And it's like, uh, it's inspiring to see just like an observer as an totally. observer yeah. and like he's as a friend well. like and he so went and he's gone yeah. and he's done it all on pure passion not anything to do with money which is an even cooler story did he say to you when he first started like pulling the bigger games together i got this business guy i'm going to pluck him in seat 5 and i think he's got a lot of money and you should play on friday <laughs> so it's funny his name's nick cuz we talked <laughs> you brought this up like in in one of our our many conversations recently on so i think you're forgetting how this played out i don't remember so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, I don't. I'm gonna say. I'm I gonna don't say even now. remember how I got invited on the show. Yeah, that's what I'll tell, tell you now. Yeah. So right. this is like because I remember there was like a whole bunch of uh, drama with this because that's always poker. It's yeah, politics and whatever. It. So um, you know, you used to play on Fridays at Commerce every Friday. every Friday. Yeah, yeah, that was like your day off or whatever. Yeah. And so I started playing on the show a little bit, and then one day, you know, you asked me like, "Hey, like, you know, you're playing on this. I'm surprised. Like, you know, are you enjoying I don't it? Remember this? And I was like. Oh yeah, like you should play with us. <laughs> this is a swap. What's your favorite seat? This is a harpooning the whale. Hundred percent true story, and also like Nick and I had uh, like no relationship uh, away from the casino or whatever. We just play together occasionally on Fridays. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." And then I don't um, remember that. I think I could speak for you in terms of you played once and you were hooked. You go, oh, I can see these people's I love fucking whole yeah, cards. Yeah. yeah. And so and so that was that. And so obviously the Friday game at Commerce. I had no idea what I was either. doing. Yeah. I was holding a little dog and I folded uh, uh, queen, uh, three queens to Kenny because yeah. I was so out of my element. And yeah. I, But I got addicted. Yeah. I got addicted to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I don't remember that, though. That's the truth. I didn't know that's how it's it It's funny, like sort of like, you know, reminiscing on on like a variety of these stories. And I, it's always like a little surreal to me to see like how big like Nick and Ryan have gotten, like even like not even their business, but them as personalities in poker, like they're talked about like in, in poker media and like whatever. And again, like I just, I just remember Nick is just being like, you know, this fish that played poker once a week. <laughs> totally. And they're then, like, we're going to put him in seat five and we're going to have the announcers say all good things about yeah. him. And, and, Ryan, and I believed every bit of it. I'm and, like, yeah. I must be great. And Ryan propping, <laughs> propping like, uh, to you. Ryan to propping you. like a $2, $3 game, like while trying to scrounge together, like, you know, some 10, 20 games for like a, a poker stream yeah, that, that didn't it. get many views. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty surreal. It's surreal to think about. And that's why, I think uh, it's crazy to think about like what it's going to be, uh, you know, in a year or, or longer or whatever. And, it, you know, I've, I've told Nick this, too, but it's like when you have two people who care as much as them and who work as hard as them, I don't I don't see how it doesn't continue to. just. Yeah, we're not you know, even close to being done. Which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can tell the difference between a company or, you know, like a live stream that's run by a corporation versus a live stream that's run by two like passionate, insanely passionate people. And Ryan probably holding the majority of that insanely passionate stake 
just because I've seen him work. I, <laughs> the I, guy have, doesn't leave. I have no ego in this because I know who I am in it, but he is the nuts. Yeah. Well, Garrett, I know we've kept you. You've got a pizza thawing out in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's been a lot of fun. It, it, no, it was, I have to say, I appreciate meeting you in person. For Thank sure, you for yeah. taking the time to do this. Yeah. It was like, you're one of my favorite players. I, and I'm not saying this just because you're in front of me. Like, I've been a big fan of Live at the Bike mm-hmm. even before I got involved in any poker media. So, sure, like, sure. it's just an absolute pleasure to get to talk Thank to you. you. And um, appreciate you being honest and sincere and... Nick, I guess I'll, I'll yeah, have, I got I'm stuck for, with you. I got nothing for you either. <laughs> anyway, yes, I, uh, I concur. Thank you for taking your time to do this. For I sure, hope you bro. enjoy the concert. Of course, always. Uh, this is the Nick Fertucci Show with Veronica Brill, also Valerie. And <laughs> we are out, envy out. Good night, guys.